I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Explorers. So what do you think Oklahoma City sounds like? Maybe something like this? Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. Yeah, well, if you've ever actually been there, you know it sounds a little more like this. Welcome to Oklahoma City, I happy guess. Birthday yeah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. That's so quick. <laughs> Damn. It's the Heartland Transgender Fall Party and Music Festival. There's no place like this. There's no place that is an oasis for whatever your sexual orientation is. Because what we have here can match up to any city in America. Guarantee you. I don't care what the cuisine is, we have it here. I don't care what the style of cooking is, we have it here. Nobody really seems too alarmed, so it's probably not. I mean, to be clear, there are horses and tornadoes. Is this a tornado warning? But I don't think I risk sounding like a stupid New York elitist when I say I never really considered OKC as a destination. I've been all over the country. I've fallen in love with plenty of small cities and towns. But Oklahoma City has been flying way under my radar, which is not cool because the Big Friendly, as it's known, is so beautiful, so fun, so shockingly inclusive that... Hold on, I actually don't want to spoil any of this because... That's what the whole show is about. So instead, let me tell you about the first place I visited during my time in OKC. I firmly believe one of the best ways to get to know a new city is to stop into the local dive bar. And luckily, OKC has a great one right off Route 66, Edna's. We're a five-star dive bar. (laughs) (laughs) When you walk into a dive bar and there's dollar bills stapled everywhere, it's usually a good sign. We had a guy steal some dollars, took them over to the IHOP behind us, and the news picked it up. And And his mother called down here, and I spoke to his mother, and she was like, that's my son, I want to turn him in. We love Edna's. Whoa, (laughs) your mom is calling. (laughs) That's bad news. The first thing I did at Edna's was chug down one of their signature drinks, the lunchbox, with Tammy, the bar's owner, Michael, her son, and Kate, who helps run the place. It was Tammy's birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, Tammy. That is so cold in a good way. It does taste like Dr. Pepper. Right? Yeah, delicious. And considering how easy it was to drink, I cannot believe what it's actually made of. So we've told so many people, and every single time we tell them, they report about it inaccurate. So are are you going to get it wrong, too? Well, these are your words. (laughs) Okay, well, you got a shot of amaretto. And we use the Diamore. It's Coors Light, draft. Love it. Mm-hmm. And just a splash of orange juice. Oftentimes, they, they kind of get that part a lot wrong. And All it right. has to be in this frosted mug. Over the past 16 years alone, when they started keeping track, they've served two and a half million of these drinks. This little bar is one of the country's biggest purveyors of Coors Light. They have fridges upon fridges filled with frosted mugs ready to be lunchboxed. And it all stemmed from a happy accident by Edna herself, Tammy's mom. She loved to drink and she didn't like to waste anything, especially not alcohol. So um, somehow or another, it 
came about and she made the wrong thing and she drank it and she loved it. So Edna passed away in 2014, but way back when, she was behind the bar trying to recreate the taste of Dr. Pepper with a drink. She came up with this Boilermaker, the lunchbox, which is now served as a cocktail and is supposed to be taken like a shot. You're supposed to take it like a shot. shot. You down it. Just down it. Edna's is famous for the lunchbox and the welcoming attitude that Edna herself always served alongside the drinks. It didn't matter who you were, where you came from, what you did, you were going to get open arms and hugged and, well, I've had to pull her off of people, so. <laughs> Especially if you were a cute guy. <laughs> Let me tell you, people also came to watch her get on the bar for Great Balls of Fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's that all about? Anytime somebody played on the jukebox, she'd get up on the bar and she'd dance. <laughs> and it was awesome. We'd flash the lights behind the bar and everything. I wish I could have stayed at Edna's all night, but alas, I had to check into my hotel. But not before one more lunchbox. Duh. Cheers, guys. Right, thank cheers. you so much again. Yes, thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you. So I got an Uber and headed approximately two miles south to the 39th Street District on, you guessed it, 39th Street. I'd be staying at the District Hotel. Formerly known as the Habana Inn, the hotel is sort of a hybrid between your standard Route 66 motel and a fully-fledged vacation resort. It has two heated pools, a nightclub, a lounge, a restaurant, about 120 rooms, and it's been open for the better part of four decades. It's also, arguably, the epicenter of one of the biggest queer neighborhoods in America's heartland. I was also surprised by this. You know, us locals call that area Oklahoma because it's where all the Oklahomos hang out. It's the party street, party town. This is Kelly Mantle. They've starred on RuPaul's Drag Race and Curb Your Enthusiasm, in films like Confession of a Womanizer, and most recently on The Browns on the Out Network. They're from OKC, and so is their whole family, including a pretty famous uncle. The great number seven, Mickey Mantle. To me, growing up, you know, it was just Uncle Mickey, you know. But as, of course, as I got older, I realized, wow, this man is quite legendary. Equally legendary, at least in some communities, is 39th Street. There's about a half dozen clubs, bars, restaurants, and a hotel, all queer-friendly, all on one concentrated block. You can start at the top of the street and just kind of move down bar to bar, club to club. Each one has a different atmosphere. Uh, you know, the rec room is a lot more like alternative kind of place to go. And then Angles is your big dance club. I mean, they all have drag shows. The park is more, you know, you're just sitting and grooving and chilling and vibing and stuff. So yeah, it's it's got a little bit of something for everyone. Even if you're cisgender, heterosexual, you can go and have a great time. The drag community is thriving there. And you know, the great thing about Oklahoma drag is they take their pageants very seriously. I mean, they have like a pageant a week. You have Miss Gay USA, Miss Gay Oklahoma, Miss Gay at large, Miss Gay newcomer. Honey, they'll come up with anything to give someone a tiara, you know. And they have equally fond memories of the District Hotel. Can I just tell you, when, I love that you're calling it the district because I know it is the Havana Inn. <laughs> it was always a fun little party place for us. 
A lot of times, you know, because we didn't have Ubers and Lyfts. So a lot of times we would all just kind of pitch in and get a room together. So it would turn, it would almost turn into like a big after party, you know, until like three, four in the morning. I don't discourage anyone from staying there, but if you are going to stay there, definitely expect a full-on kind of Carnival County Fair situation because that is the glory hole of that <laughs> vicinity right there. So a big reason I was staying at the district was to attend one of the biggest events of the season, the Heartland Transgender Music Festival. So this goes on twice a year, and it's international. We have people from New Zealand, Australia, Great Britain, Europe, Germany, uh, even uh, every now and then Saudi Arabia. This is Rachel. She's the manager at the district. Yeah, on the poker night, if you take my chips and put me out of the game, you get a free drink. Is it hard to do? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm not going out early. (laughs) But even though it's been a queer haven for a long time, the area has seen exponential growth in the past two decades. Well, I came here for one of these events years ago, and uh, at some point... I was actually hired to install the sound system in in the club, the previous iteration of it, when it was called Club Exile. And that's how I ended up here. The whole area has just grown on me. And the way it's grown in the past 20 years has been kind of amazing. I mean, right now, if you went in there, you'd see, you know, cross-dressers, trans people, uh, and with their spouses. We have an act that it's a husband and wife duo, and they're both women. We're actually going to talk to that duo in just a little bit, but first we have to dig into some of the history of the District Hotel, which opened way back in 1968 and rebranded just a couple years ago. Historically, the Habana Inn and the surrounding 39th Street District was a destination specifically for gay men. Tom Legata, the new owner of the hotel, the guy who renamed it the District, wanted to make things a little more inclusive. Well... I can tell you that, first of all, I'm an Angelino. So I was raised in Los Angeles. I know West Hollywood. I know Palm Springs. And I can say pretty much coast to coast that this situation that exists here at the District Hotel in Oklahoma City is unique. There's no place like this. There's no place that is an oasis for whatever your sexual orientation is, or even if you don't know what it is, that you can come here if you feel you're not sure where you are and and your family doesn't understand you. If you come here to this place, you can be who you are. first bought this place, they used to advertise it as the largest gay resort in the Southwest. And I felt like, okay, first of all, why would women of the same bent have any less problem? You know, we've moved it kind of from being a gay venue to a LGBTQIA. But I mean, at what point do you say, we're a place where you don't have to identify, you can just come and be yourself. And if yourself is different next week, that's great too. And so that's our, that's our goal, just to be, um, allow you to be who you are. 
All right, so we're gonna come back to the District Hotel and 39th Street, but first, I was on a mission to see as much of the city as humanly possible in just a few hours. So I recruited two very enthusiastic tour guides to give me a driving tour of OKC. And needless to say, it continued to blow my mind. More after the break. Stick around. Yeah, so Bradford House, this place opened like a week after we moved here. So there was that kind of instant kindred connection. And I remember coming here with our friend Lindsay and like having dinner and then just being like blown away with like so cute and beautiful. And also I thought it had a lot of like Wes Anderson vibes. It looks like a Wes Anderson movie. Exactly walking into a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, so immediately I'm like, I love it. Matt and Brad Kerouac are OKC transplants. They're married. They used to make a podcast where they drove their RV to national parks around the country. Matt is a writer. He regularly contributes travel pieces for Thrillist, and Brad works at a nonprofit in the city. They moved here from Chicago and absolutely love bringing outsiders into the city to completely shatter their expectations of what OKC is. We're getting dinner and drinks at the Bradford House, part bed and breakfast, part cafe and bar, all in a beautiful and shockingly hip Victorian home. It is not what I thought an OKC restaurant would look and feel like, but again, that's because I'm stupid. I like how it's just a big like kind of house and you can find different rooms and sections. One room's teal, yeah. turquoise, the other one's hot pink. Mm -hmm. Then there's these beautiful drapes and this nice bookshelf with like matching so books. Sushi Neko has been celebrated for their super fresh sashimi since the late 1990s. The Picasso Cafe has tequila cocktails, a ton of vegan options, and live music in a trendy setting. Pizzeria Gusto does wood-fired pizza with toppings like broccoli raw pesto and lamb sausage. Here's the thing. Oklahoma City might have one of the most underrated, underreported, and underestimated restaurant cultures in America. And I remember being in my office about a week after the ice storm, and I said to myself, what am I doing in this town? There's nothing going on here. And so I told myself I was just going to spend a year. And as time goes by, it just grown in me. And 15 years later, I've watched the city develop into a food mega and what it is now. Chef Andrew Black is originally from Jamaica. His culinary career has taken him all over the world, places like the Ritz in Paris. He came to OKC to run the kitchen at the Skirvin Hotel and then decided to stay in the city, adding to its increasingly long list of amazing culinary minds. I'll tell you this, where the restaurant scene is today from what it was years ago, we can match up to any big city because there's so many talents here now. Chef helped bring tasting menus to Oklahoma City, and one of his restaurants, Gray Sweater, has one of the most novel tasting menu concepts I've ever heard of. A few days before your reservation, they give you a call and then design your meal. Seriously. Some people looked at me and said, are you crazy? Are you batshit crazy? We source ingredients and we question the ingredients when they come in and we tell a story with them. You an example. We're talking to this lady in the interview, and she's talking about the alcohol good, and we're like, well, tell us a little more. We're writing it down. She doesn't know this. Essentially, they gave this woman the same meal she had on her wedding night, right down to the obscure German wine. She came in, poured her the same alcoholic beverage on her wedding day in Germany. And even though he's worked and dined all over the world, he will always stump for Oklahoma City restaurants. 
So I feel like we're just looked down on as like, huh, Oklahoma, why would I go there? What could they be cooking, steak and potato? Well, I, I, the, the day somebody spends some time and discover us, because what we have here can match up to any city in America, guarantee you. I don't care what the cuisine is, we have it here. I don't care what the style of cooking is, we have it here. Chef Black's restaurants are in a neighborhood called Deep Deuce, now home to jazz clubs, cocktail and cigar bars, and Andrew's restaurants. It's just one of the many distinct and really fun neighborhoods inside the city proper. And Matt and Brad were kind enough to give me a tour of the city in their Prius. And I know this is a recurring theme, but it's worth saying, this drive was full of surprises. This is the Paseo, and Ken Steven owns this, Picasso. Then the other room is next door. Then there's like Oso around the corner, over Ramen, which is Rachel Cope's restaurant. She's the um, lesbian restaurateur here. There's more Ken Stevens places, which is like Frida. This is absolutely gorgeous. The buildings are like purple and pink and like look like Adobe style. So surprise number one, the Paseo neighborhood. Made up of these adobe buildings in bright colors, winding streets filled with hip bars and restaurants and shops. There's actually a gay-owned cold brew coffee shop there that has a little consignment store with Native American and like queer-owned businesses all like doing their consignment in there. Like business overall is called the Native Exchange. They run the cold brew coffee shop inside of it, and then there's also like a patchwork shop and then like a vintage clothing shop and like accessories and like you can also get like Mexican candies and Mexican groceries and stuff like that. And it's just like whimsical and delightful and really cute and vibrant. Yes. Did you see that little gas station like bar back there? Yeah, that's called the pump. Oh, the pump. The pump is absolutely amazing. It's a complete like modern dive bar. Yeah. Um, And this is Tower Theater. Um, This is where, this is a really cool mixing ground. Um, On the second floor, they have a little place and there's a lot of like Saturday night like dance club vibes. And it's a music venue, of course. And that's where uh, Glitter Ball will be, which is the Dead Center Film Festival's annual gala. And then we'll circle back around. This is great. It's it's a very aesthetically, it's a very pretty city. Yeah. Even the Duncan is is pretty nice, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So like right where we're at, it's almost the center of the city, almost midtown. Okay. It's actually Plaza District. Surprise number two, the Plaza District. So we're going to turn down here. And our friend owns Diggit, Amanda. And Diggit's like this retro thrift store, goth store. It's amazing. And it's a really easy city to support local in uh, because there's so many amazing ideas. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Not a lot of chains around. I'm not seeing a lot of chain restaurants, chain places. No, you won't see that, especially in the inner circle. It keeps it really tight. It's because they... They really want to create a special feeling within the city. And so um, we're going to turn down this alleyway. Yeah. Um, and so Dig It is right here on the corner. It uh, bookends the mural, um, the murals uh, for cool. Oklahoma. Okay. Oh, wow. Camp. All right. And then so you can kind of like just drive through this. Yeah. Here, you can find an alleyway filled with some of the most amazing murals I've ever seen, hidden in plain sight. So these ones just got redone. 
USA Today readers voted Oklahoma City the number one mural city uh, in outdoor arts Street, in America. Right. Okay. So, Above like Miami and all. Yeah, yeah, right? And so you see this, and then so this is where the Plaza Walls is oh, as wow, you're driving down the alley. and It's just know. like, it's, it is just you are surrounded by these murals. And yeah. the little alleyways filled with. Filled with beautiful yeah, murals. And they're like truly. from diverse people. And it's really well curated, I think, which is amazing uh, because they're really thoughtful about their mural projects. It's like driving through a scene from Yellow Submarine. Giant green and blue iguanas, kaleidoscopic suns, and people taking selfies. So you see two, uh, yeah. two millennials uh, taking <laughs> I mean, photos in front of their murals. Make sure to tag the artist. Yeah, millennial moment. <laughs> tag the artist. Surprise number three. Everywhere you go, OKC smells like weed. There are a lot of dispensaries. A lot of dispensaries, yes. Yeah. yeah, so like per capita of dispensaries in like cities. It's like Denver is like kind of the obvious one that has the most. And it's like Oklahoma City has like the most per capita. Which when I learned that, I was like, oh, that makes sense because they are literally everywhere. And last surprise, which at this point is almost not even a surprise anymore. Oklahoma City is a very inclusive, truly accepting place. Uh, a little over a year ago, I wrote a story for the Oklahoma, which is the state's kind of biggest and oldest newspaper. And it was about traveling as like a gay couple and settling in Oklahoma City. And it was put on the cover, the, the front page. And that was the first time in like the 110 years of the newspaper's history that a gay couple has been on the cover or a gay writer has ever written a story for the cover. And I assumed that there'd be a good chance that like I would get personally a lot of like hate mail or whatever from like homophobes. And I got nothing. In fact, I got random people like tweeting at me saying that we love the story, we love that you're here, you're supported, you're welcome here, all this stuff. I'm like, Oklahoma as a state is like notorious like being one of the reddest, most religious and like, right. kind of conservative states in the country. And I think people are gonna just continuously be surprised by it as I have been surprised by it, where I've never experienced any like hate or like you know homophobic anything if any, it's just been like the opposite where like people are pleasantly inclusive and welcoming and it's just been so beautiful it's kind of shocking to me especially for a city of Oklahoma City I'm like how is there like a, a gay bar or a gay hotel that's been here for like 30 years like but I quickly got a sense of like the community and like all these people who have been regulars forever each bar is like a different gay cheers or something. It's like <laughs> all these like regulars who are there all the time. So you can get a sense of like how it started to bubble up out of almost necessity. People just like find each other and feel safe. And then they just kind of like naturally evolve by like, oh, let's open a nightclub next to this. I guess that's the only way it can happen too, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah. You can't just like decide like, oh, we're gonna open six gay bars. Right, <laughs> plant your flag, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Okay, now it was time for a quick drag show to wake us up a little bit. Yeah, so this is Angles we just pulled up here. I think this is the longest one on the strip. Um, but we're going to go over to um, Phoenix Rising, which is right across the street there. Okay. And then, like, the District Hotel is a half a block. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, like uh, literally a half a block away. Right. It starts packing in, and then midnight, you can't find a parking space here. So Everyone's it's like, napping. Yeah, everyone's napping. <laughs> So if it's 5 p.m., it's relaxing. If it's 10.30 p.m. like it is now, it is vibrant and it's really loud. And a drag show is about to start. I don't know if there's any way that could have been 
audible. No. You guys had a podcast. What do you think? Your editors are going to hate you. And you took And then a bit later on, back at the district, their music festival was in full swing. Remember that married couple who perform here that Rachel mentioned way back at the beginning of the episode? I was able to catch up with them after their set. names? Miranda. Holly Cavanaugh. Um, and uh, what are you doing here tonight at the District Hotel? We, this is our third time here, so we came and rocked the flock, and we love doing what we do, and the people here are just freaking awesome. Oh, I love this festival. Everyone is very accepting and beautiful. Everybody's wonderful. Yeah. We love being here. Beautiful people here. Uh, all walks, shapes, and forms. Uh, a lot of uh, girls. It's the first time ever coming out of our house dressed. Other people have been doing it for years, so it's been an even part of our pathway, just so to speak. So we come here and... Uh... It's important to be yourself. Yes. Miranda and Holly live another life. They even have another band where Holly presents as a man. I'm not out. Uh, I have my other life. But we come here and uh, everyone loves us. And, yeah. And loves our music. And we, we tour as a, another band. Uh, another life, but uh, we just love letting it all hang out, so to speak. Another following, biker bars and stuff. So yeah. it's, really, it's Different. not. It's not. It's not that they hate each other. It's just. It's, just, it's not a good mix, you know. Yeah. We're um, internally forever in love, yes, married we're couple. Married. Married. Okay, that's great. I love that. That's so awesome. <laughs> no, you guys have so much fun together too. Yes, oh, we great. do. Yeah. This is my saving grace, and I we am love hers we as do. well. Everybody is so accepting and. and the one thing you keyed on is the kid he keeps driving us. They see the connection we have together. Uh, and it is, it is uh, we've been married for be three years. Three years. Next year. Okay. So we're newlyweds. <laughs> so we're still newlyweds, yeah. but we're always going to be newlyweds. It's I, know, happiness. I promise. Oh, she's such a diva. <laughs> you have no idea. She's training me with. Wait. No. <laughs> So now I know, OKC is a queer haven hiding in the heartland. It's a culinary paradise full of hip neighborhoods with hip people walking around. It would take me a dozen podcast episodes to even scratch the surface here. And I feel very, very stupid for not realizing it sooner. But to paraphrase one of the performers at the festival, who is herself quoting Alanis Morissette, you live, you learn, you gotta go to Oklahoma City. Seriously. This show is produced by myself and Mia Fask, edited and mixed by the otherworldly Dean White and Abby Austria. Special thanks to all of my bosses, Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, Brett Kushner, and Emily Feld. That's it for us. Put your tray tables up, leave your shoes on, and we'll see you next week. Bye.